Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back. I'm so excited that you're here for another episode of An Amber A Day. I'm your host, Amber Fisher. Today, we're going to talk about a big topic, and that is how can you stop sabotaging yourself? This, I'm going to talk about this through the lens of nutrition in a lot of ways, but this is something that really extends beyond nutrition. It's something that most people struggle with, myself included. It's something that doesn't have an easy solution because if it did, I'm sure we would have all found it by now. But it's something that's very important because when it comes to anything in life, particularly when it comes to our health, so often we have big dreams, big goals, all these things that we want to accomplish, at least in our minds, we want to accomplish them. But the actuality of living them out becomes this like really fertile ground for all of these inner shadows and uh, like confidence issues and sabotaging behaviors to just like come out to the forefront. And I actually think that's really cool. Hear me out. It's, it's kind of a way, a almost a gentle way for your soul to kind of give you the ideas about things that maybe you are doing kind of either subconsciously or without really thinking about them that are holding you back in life. It's like a little nice little test whenever you start to do your, um, and try to take care of your health goals or whatever. And, and these kinds of issues come up and, uh, it's a, it's a way for you to be confronted with them in some ways, gently, uh, depending on what health issue you're dealing with, it may not feel very gentle for sure. Uh, definitely been there, but, but I do think it's something if we believe that everything in life has something to teach us, uh, which I do believe, then we can assume that, uh, when we self-sabotage, we are giving ourselves a message about ourselves that we need to learn. And so I have developed some unique experience on this topic just through my own health struggles, my own life issues, as well as helping lots and lots of people through their own self-sabotage. And, uh, I think I have some wisdom to share. So I'd like to share it today. If that sounds interesting to you, keep listening. So let's talk about what the definition of self-sabotaging is. So I did a little Googling just to kind of, you know, get, get a nice quotation here to start. And this one really spoke to me. It like really, I felt kind of called out by it. Um, it said self-sabotage is when we destroy ourselves physically, mentally, or emotionally, or deliberately hinder our own success and well-being by undermining our personal goals and values. That's essentially a long-winded way of saying that we are deliberately stopping ourselves from embodying the values and beliefs that we have 
which is so kind of crazy if you think about it, because it's like, if these are my personal values and beliefs, why am I not living them out? Like, why do I find it so hard to live them out? And I think a lot of times when people are self-sabotaging, they find themselves sort of um, judging other people for the things in themselves that they don't really want to see. So um, I know I used to have these issues where if I saw people um, like eating really just awfully, you know, just like really destroying, destroying their guts and stuff by what they were eating, I would, um, it would really like upset me, like rub me the wrong way to the point where it was just like, what is it about watching other people make their, their life, their choices? Like, what is it about that? That makes me so, uh, feels so like icky. Um, and I think, you know, part of it for me is that I'm kind of called to help people do things right this time, um, sort of change the way that, that they have historically, done things. So to change their health and to change their lives in that way. And that's, that is my purpose in life. For those of you who know about human design or into human design, I'm a projector, six, two projector. So you can do with that information what you will, but the other part of it, and honestly, the bigger part of it, uh, the part that I would love to not admit to myself is that when people would do that, it was me recognizing something in myself and the way that I treated my body and the way that I thought about my body that um, wasn't healthy. So it kind of called out for me a lot of my own self-confident, like my body issues, my, my eating issues, like these things that I had picked up over the years and it just sort of like rubbed them in my face essentially. So it, I think, and I don't know, therapists, correct me, my therapist friend who always listens, you know who you are, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that's called deflection when you kind of like put your own issues onto someone else uh, in, you know, like spirituality, we often say that people are mirroring things back to you, right? Um, so there is this element with self-sabotage of like judging other people because we don't want to look at what, what's going on with ourselves. And, um, we just don't want to admit certain things to ourselves. And that's what really holds us back with self-sabotaging behavior, because if we could just be honest with ourselves about what we're really doing and what our deeper motivations are, then I think we'd have a lot more kindness and compassion for ourselves. And we'd actually probably be able to change these things that we're doing. Uh, I saw a quote by, um, wasn't a quote. It was like a little video of Brene Brown talking about perfectionism. And essentially what she was saying is that perfectionism, you know, you think when you're being a perfectionist that you're helping yourself to, that you're a very all or nothing person, right? That you're helping yourself to do everything, um, as correctly as you can, uh, and that you, you're procrastinating and stuff because it's not perfect. Um, and you're trying to make it perfect, but really what you're doing is you're self-sabotaging and you're holding yourself back uh, because nothing can ever be perfect. And 
when you are a perfectionist, you get this sort of lovely ability to kind of say, well, it's not quite right. It's not quite perfect yet. So I can't put it out into the world. And if I can't put it out into the world, guess what? I can't be, I can't be uh, judged for it. I can't be rejected. And uh, it's kind of like this nice, safe little place to be. And on a personal note with that, like that is probably the Achilles heel that I have dealt with my entire life. I've always known that I was kind of meant for this more like public presence to help a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm not for everybody, but I certainly have a mission, I guess, on um, this earth. And I really feel like that mission involves helping a lot of people. And how do you help a lot of people? Well, you have to have sort of a public, you know, image. And for me, that's like legit the scariest thing in the world. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding when I say that uh, every day, the work that I do on online, it may not seem like anything to, you know, you listening, you might think, oh, like she's just, she just has fun making like cute TikToks. And, um, you know, she talks about something she's passionate about and she puts it on the internet and voila. But making those videos, creating like content, even doing this podcast often fills me with crippling fear. Um, the fear is fear of rejection. Like I'm so afraid that I'll say something the wrong way and get judged for it and then subsequently be rejected for it that I often in the past have held myself back from saying things that I actually do think would be really helpful for people that I know, you know, especially things I know about nutrition, just from like working one-on-one -on -one with people, things that maybe are a bit controversial, but I do know to be true. I've held myself back from saying those things or I've like intentionally sort of dimmed myself in public because the idea of growing is really, really scary. And I think I've talked before on the podcast about how last year when I like blew up on TikTok and went from like, you know, a following of, I think like altogether, like 500 people on on, well, I don't know, maybe closer to a thousand on like all platforms to, uh, like over a hundred thousand. Like I'm at, I think uh, close to 140,000 on TikTok. I'm like getting close to, um, 4,000 on Instagram. Like I, I, I grew a lot in a really short period of time. And for someone who like intentionally worked towards that to try to get my message out there, that experience should have been a lot more happy for me than it was. It was actually really crippling and debilitating and my anxiety like extremely flared up and I had to start going to therapy. Um, now I started going to therapy for several reasons. A lot of kind of like tough things happened to me early last year at this about the same time, but um, this was certainly one of them, the adjustment to that. And it feels so like I, I even, I have, I think I've said this in podcasts in the past and cut it out. And I might edit it out of this one too. Every time I kind of like start talking about that, I hold myself back from talking more about it because it feels so just like I, I can imagine somebody listening to this and being like, wow, she's so spoiled. Um, boo hoo, you know, 
little influencer person has a hundred thousand people following her, which she intentionally wanted to have happen, you know? Um, so if you're thinking that, you know, I can understand where you're coming from on that for sure, but it doesn't change the fact that it was really emotionally damaging for me. And I found that a lot of my self-sabotage behaviors came back up around that time. Uh, and the biggest one for me is intentionally dimming myself. I will, I will do this. I, I, I'll disappear. I will hermit. I will, uh, I will do all kinds of things to avoid having to, uh, be, to avoid having to be in the spotlight, um, and I don't know, I, I still haven't figured, I still haven't figured that out. However, what I can tell you is that what I see all the time in health is people stopping themselves from achieving the goals that they want for themselves um, simply because they are afraid of what life is going to look like when they actually meet that goal. So let me explain what I mean. I think, I think I've talked about this on other podcasts before, but this is just so big. It's just something that I see so much in, uh, the people that I work with. And I, of course I primarily work with, with, uh, women and, uh, I don't exclusively focus on weight loss by any means. However, working with the chronic health population, the PCOS population, all of that, there is that element of a lot of people kind of wanting to lose weight. It's, it's one of the reasons why they want to work with a professional because they want to help address their symptoms of their chronic health issue, but they also want that extra help figuring out how much to eat so that they can drop the unwanted weight. And as a nutritionist, I think it would be, uh, it would be disingenuous to say that losing weight can make no difference in health. I do believe that there is a place for health at every size uh, for certain people. However, many people do not do well with excessive uh, body fat. It can be pro-inflammatory. It's interesting because some people with excess body fat, it's not pro-inflammatory for them. Um, and, you know, I could talk at another time about the sort of character, not character traits, but the sort of like body traits that I've noticed in people like that. It tends to be these people who have like always been stocky since they were, even since they were babies, you know, it's like a, it's truly a genetic thing. But for a lot of my clients, the excess body fat is pro-inflammatory and it is contributing to their issues because once that fat is on there, it starts to produce its own hormones, like, um, excess body fat produces, uh, has an estrogenic effect. It causes a localized inflammation, but it can also cause a systemic inflammation if there's too much of it, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of people come to me and they know that, you know, while they, while weight loss is not necessarily something that they want to do for, um, to look a certain way, they do want to lose weight because they believe it's going to help them with their health issue, or maybe they want to go through, maybe they want to do IVF and their clinic won't accept them because their BMI is too high or whatever it may be. There are a lot of reasons why people want to lose weight and I'm not against it um, by any means. So I'm always willing to listen to them, to listen to their reasons. 
and to help them down that path if that's something that they really want to do, if it's important for them or, and if I think that it's healthy for them. And um, what I notice is that when it comes to weight loss in particular, uh, but also dealing with inflammatory foods, I would say this happens a lot with like food kind of allergy issues as well. Autoimmune conditions also. You can give someone all the tools in the world, give them an exact roadmap to how they get from point A to point B. And this is something that I I do. One of my gifts is that I'm kind of able to look at a person and know the path forward. Um, And I'm not always right, but I would say like 90% of the time I'm right. So I can look at a person, know the way forward and essentially help give them a roadmap to get there. (laughs) And it's funny because you can give people that roadmap. You can give them the answers that they've been seeking the way forward. But if they can't overcome their inner demons and their own self-sabotage, which all kind of goes back to fear, if they can't overcome those things, then they will not get to point B. Um, they will continually spin their wheels. And what's hard for me is there is a sort of element of like a person has to be ready. There's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like an energetic thing. Like they have to be ready for the work. And a lot of times people think they're ready. They really feel like they're ready. They just like absolutely know this is the time and it's not. And maybe you've been there, you know, um, I, I've certainly been there a couple of times in my life. I've had to lose about 50 pounds. Um, and one time, you know, I don't, have I mentioned this before? When I was like 14 years old, I weighed, um, I was significantly overweight, uh, had about 50, 60 pounds to lose. And, um, you know, ugh, it's such a really tricky, complex issue to even talk about because I certainly carry some damage from that experience on both sides. Like I carry damage from the experience of being bullied for being, um, you know, overweight, but I also carry damage from the experience of actually losing that weight at that young age. Um, and kind of like the mental health issues around food that come with dieting from the time you're like 11 years old. So I'm sure some of you can relate to this. Uh, but I, I lost a great deal of weight at that point in my life. And then after I, um, after I had my son, I had about, uh, 50 pounds to lose then as well and had to do that. And I'm still not all the way there, but getting closer. And so I've had to do this a couple of times and that's not to say that my experience has been harder or just as hard as anyone else's, because I know many of my clients have significantly more than 50 pounds to lose. However, 50 pounds is a great deal of weight. And when it comes to actually being ready to do it, I can't tell you how many times I spun my wheels, just especially after I had my son, like thinking about it, you know, realizing I needed to do it. Um, 
wanting to do it, like wanting to be back in my old clothes, wanting to feel good in my body again, like wanting to feel like myself more than anything. And yet could not get up the real energy and motivation. And there were countless kind of Mondays where I was like, okay, today I'm starting and I do things for like a day, you know, um, and really thought I was ready. Right. And this happens so much with clients. It's, it's a mystery what it is about a person that makes them ready for change. But that's the first step. You have to truly, truly be ready for that change and like excited about it and want it and want it more than you want the comfort of familiarity. And I think that that's really, really key because as uncomfortable as familiarity is, it's also what you know and human beings in general don't like the unknown. Like we like the consistency of knowing what to expect. Um, and the, this is the other piece of it is after a couple of months, a lot of people tend to burn out. Um, and it's interesting because so often I hear from people that, you know, they've burned out because, you know, it's just, it's just too hard or, um, or this is much more common. Something came up, life got in the way, right? Um, someone had a wedding and then we ate, I don't know, a bunch of cake and sent our blood sugar out of a spiral. And then we had a hard time like getting back on the wagon as it were. And, you know, keep in mind guys, like, I don't like using phrases like that. Like, getting back on the wagon. And I agree that long-term your diet changes shouldn't be something that you have to be on or off. Like it should just be second nature to you because it should mesh so well into your life. However, knowing the way that most people eat, um, making a true lifestyle change, that's going to be like long-term beneficial for their health. It is going to be an element of like major change. Like you can't continue eating the exact same way you did before. And then, uh, just expect it to like magically morph into a super healthy diet. Like you have to make big major changes over time. You get used to those changes enough that it doesn't feel oppressive, but at the beginning it can, uh, especially, especially if you're coming from like a very traditional standard American diet where you're eating fast food multiple times a week or day, you're drinking sodas and sweet teas, uh, that kind of stuff. Like those are the clients that struggle the most because not only is it like, I have to be careful with what I give them from like the healthy range of whole foods, right? Um, maybe they have a sensitivity to dairy or something. And so we have to take dairy away for a while, but I also have to get them off of all that stuff that isn't really good for anybody. Um, at least, you know, for the majority of the time, that's really, really hard for people and totally valid. But what I often hear about three months in is like something comes up, um, Sometimes it's like an event or, or a special occasion or something, kind of something that they were looking forward to, like a vacation. A lot of times it's a vacation and it sort of like sends people back into their old habits because they're like, oh, it's a special occasion, right? So I'm going to just do what I want. Um, I've been so good. I'm going to do what I want. And then it kind of like, it triggers all these old patterns and 
And because they know what what they're going to have to go back to and, you know, the adjustments that they're going to have to make, it's like every day that goes by, it gets harder and harder to kind of like make those changes again. So that's one thing. But But the other thing that I find often happens, and I think it's really kind of crazy, is that something major will happen. Like they'll get in a car accident or they'll have to have surgery or they will have to suddenly start taking care of a uh, relative who's got like a sudden, you know, diagnosis or injury or something like the most, it, it completely throws their life into this whole different thing. Like their routine is different. Um, I see this a lot with, with, uh, with teachers and thing and nurses and stuff too, is like, suddenly they'll get like, suddenly school will start again. (laughs) And I guess they're expecting that, but it's like, it's always more overwhelming than they expect it to be. Um, or, you know, they'll get moved to a different shift or whatever. And it throws their routine out of whack and they have a really, really hard time continuing on with their goals. Uh, and they usually point back to that moment, that experience and say, you know, this is like what happened. And this is why I haven't been able to like move forward. And I'm going to have a little tough love here with peace and love for real. Um, you can the stuff that's coming into my head is like, so my, my husband always says that I'm, he calls me trude, which he says is like, I tell the truth, but I, but it's rude. Um, so I have a somewhat of a problem with being a little bit too blunt sometimes when we blame situations like that for why we have kind of gone into a tailspin, I think that we are playing the victim or the martyr so that we don't have to take responsibility for our actions anymore because we're tired of doing it. Now, hear me out because I know that sounds harsh. What I really mean to say by that is that initial shock is totally valid. Like I don't expect, you know, suddenly, you know, you have to have surgery and for you to like a hundred percent stay with what you were doing or your routine changes. And I don't expect you to kind of like a hundred percent have to keep to every little detail. However, there is, there are very few things that can happen in life that would so drastically alter our lives that we couldn't still have some semblance of normalcy in our eating routine if we made it a priority. Even if, and I've been here, okay, so like my son, when he was born, he was a, he was premature, 30 weeks, and I was in the hospital. I lived in the hospital basically for over a month. And I made these same kinds of excuses And I think that's why I feel so passionate about talking about this because I made the same mistake. Um, I would go down to the cafeteria and the hospital food 
was nasty. I mean, this hospital had just awful, horrendous food. Like I wanted to like write an email to the dietitian who ran, I'm sure it's not her fault. She probably had a really awful budget to work with, but like the food, everything was fried, everything. But, but, um, they did have like salads and they did have sandwiches and they did have things that were like on the healthier side and I could have eaten those things. Or there was a Chipotle right down the street. Like I got Uber Eats delivered several times. I could have had Chipotle delivered or I could have, there was a Chick-fil-A down the road. I could have gone through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and gotten a fruit cup and some grilled nuggets or like a grilled chicken sandwich or one of their salads, you know, that like there were opportunities for me to have made maybe not perfect choices, but we don't have to be perfect, just better choices. Even when I was going through this really horrifically scary, all consuming time, I could have made better choices, uh, but I didn't because I was tired um, and I was confused and I was scared. And I, when it would get to mealtime, I would think, gosh, I would rather eat something comforting. Like chicken nuggets sound great, you know, Um, French fries sound really good. It's going to make me feel better for a little while. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. And I could have and probably did get trapped in that spiral for like a while, a while, even after I brought my son home. Whereas I could have from the beginning, if I had just been making healthier choices, like started feeling better, physically feeling better, um, which would have given me more energy, which would have given me more mental clarity, all of these things. But instead, I kind of just spun my wheels for a really long time. And it really wasn't until Mother's Day the following year, so about five months later, that I actually was like, okay, okay, this has gone on long enough. I'm truly ready now. And then I, I you know, I really was. Like, I managed to get things under control and start getting back to the habits that I had before. I find it so interesting that these events seem to come up in life that just throw us off the rails, like that really throw us for a loop. And I really wonder if there's not something more to that. If it's not one of these kinds of, I almost say like life is kind of testing you, right? It's asking you, do you really want this? And why do you really want it? Um, Do you want it enough to face your inner demons because so often people think that they want this different life where they're healthy and happy and they kind of create like a fantasy image of what their life is going to look like when they are 
you know, when they lose all the weight or when they have their PCOS under control or what have you, like a good example would be, um, me early on in my infertility days when I was trying to, uh, get pregnant, but I wasn't, um, taking, like, I wasn't taking all the steps that I needed to take to really address my PCOS. Um, I wasn't like reaching out to experts who could have helped me. Like I wasn't prioritizing my budget to work with a nutritionist or somebody who actually could have helped me. Instead, I was just kind of like spinning my wheels, kind of doing things on my own, half doing things, whatever. And it was like, I imagined myself getting pregnant and having this great, wonderful life once I had this baby and how different everything would be and how in this new version of myself, like I drank like healthy smoothies for breakfast. I was like this super healthy person and all was well. And like all my little dreams about myself, like I did yoga every day. I was like a a yogi and I just had these visions of myself and what I would look like. And honestly, what stopped me from actually getting to that place was the fact that at a subconscious level, I knew that even if I sort of, you know, address these PCOS symptoms, right. And I really buckled down on the nutrition and I really like, I lost, you know, the weight I needed to lose or whatever happened to be at the time. I knew that even if I achieved those things, that I would still be the same person with the same inner hangups and the same self-confidence issues. I'd still be the person who was too scared to go to a group yoga class for fear that everyone was looking at me. I'd still be the person who you know, was too afraid to start a blog because of potentially getting mean comments. I'd still be the person who wanted to, uh, you know, eat McDonald's for breakfast or whatever it might be. Like I would have to really actually do some real inner work in order to actually be that person. And I wasn't really ready to do that at the time. I also wasn't totally sure if I wanted to get pregnant. I think I like almost subconsciously blocked myself from getting pregnant because I, I didn't kind of know what, what I wanted for myself. Like I was in a very much a, very much a place of like confusion about who I was and what I wanted out of life and who I wanted to be. And, and I really, honestly, at that time, I mean, I was young. I want to say I was in like my early twenties. Um, I was really too young to be thinking about like, um, for myself and some women are ready at that age. I, I certainly wasn't ready to be thinking about raising another human being. I was still a kid myself and really needed to work through all those things. So my point is a lot of people self-sabotage because they create this fantasy of what this new them is going to look like and act like and be like, like, you know, if you envision, like, let's stop right now, envision what your life looks like, uh, when you, you know, finally kind of like do what you need to do, whatever it may be, you know, um, if it's health, Maybe you need to eat, uh, maybe you need to cut out gluten because you've got Hashimoto's and you know that, you know, molecular mimicry is a thing and gluten is causing issues for your antibody levels and 
you know you need to cut out gluten, you just haven't done it yet. Or you have celiac disease and you know you need to cut out gluten and you just haven't done it yet. Whatever it may be. Let's say uh, whatever that thing is, whoever that person is, what does that person look like? Like, what's she like? What's her personality like? I know for me, when I think of like this future version of myself who like has her shit together, um, pardon my French, I'll have to, I'll have to mark this podcast as explicit. When I think of that future version of me who has her stuff together, she's super confident. Like that's probably the biggest thing that I see right off the bat. She's confident. She's wearing blazers. She is wearing, uh, you know, she's like put together. She's got makeup on. She's got jewelry on. Like everything matches. <laughs> like she's just like, I don't know. She's just, it's, she exudes confidence. Um, and when I think about what her lifestyle is like, you know, she, well, let's be real. She doesn't cook for herself. Someone cooks for her. Um, but you know, she eats like healthy meals and, and, uh, she loves, she has smoothies in the morning and, and all these things. And at various points in my life, I have gotten closer and closer to this version, this fantasy version. But the only times that I've gotten close to it or the times when I'm getting closer to it, because I've been pulling myself in that direction for years, you know, kind of like back and forth is when I do the hard work of looking at that confidence thing. Maybe it's confidence for you too. A lot of my clients will say that like, you know, this future version of themselves who's quote unquote thin, you know, she goes out and she like gets the job that she wants or she, I don't know, tries out for the dance team, <laughs> whatever it may be. Like there's all these things I, I think too, back to like, um, to high school and all the things that I wanted to do, but I didn't do the things that I held myself back from because I wasn't confident enough. And, um, it makes me sad, but you know, what is, what does she look like? What's her personality like? What does she do? You know, a lot of my clients have this sort of vision that is number one, it's either really unrealistic, um, because it doesn't take into account their actual preferences in life. Like, you know, for me, okay. So this imaginary version of me, she wears blazers and all these things all the time. But honestly, like I like wearing baggy clothes. Like I don't really love dressing up. Like I wear jeans almost every day. Like I, I love, I love a good pair of jeans. Like there's nothing better in life to me. I'm always on the hunt for great jeans, but you know, I like to, I'm very casual. And even if I changed my life and did all these things. And, you know, it was a, I don't know, started being this person that I kind of envisioned myself. I probably wouldn't want to dress like that anyway, you know, but what I really want, it's not all those trappings. It's not all that other stuff. What I really want is that confidence that she has. Right. Um, and so if you look at that version of yourself, think about it that way, start narrowing it down. What is the emotion that you're feeling? when you see this person, you know, what does she, what does it feel like to be her? Like, what is that deeper thing that she has that you don't have, but you want? For me, it's confidence. For you, it might be something completely different, but if you can figure out what that, 
one thing is, if you can narrow it down to one word, that is your thing that is causing you to self-sabotage. Because the weird thing about human nature is that the thing we want most, we often hold ourselves back from because we don't know if we are worthy of it. Maybe you have been here. Certainly with me and my confidence issues over the years, uh, I held myself back from being that person because I didn't feel like I was really innately worthy of being that person. I hope I'm making sense. Um, but it it all really does come down to self-worth. It all really does come down to what you feel like you deserve in life. And if you can't connect with that, if you feel like, no, that's not really it for me. It's just that I'm too busy. I really would. I mean, it's your choice. What information you listen to. I'm sure if you're this far in the podcast, you're, you're like, you're on board with me here, but it's obviously your choice to believe whatever you want in life. And you may be right. You are the expert on yourself. However, I will tell you that just from experience, I've seen so, so many people who say that it's time or it's this, or it's that, that's the problem. It's something external. That's the problem. But really the problem is they just don't know if they really want to take the risk of becoming the person that they think that they want to be. They don't necessarily know that they deserve to be that person. It's a weird thing that we do to ourselves because we also block ourselves mentally from actually realizing this. Like we hold ourselves back from knowing it. We we will come up with like every excuse in the book to not actually believe this stuff about ourselves. Um, when really, I don't know, for me, it's almost easier to kind of like really believe that it's a self-worth issue because it rings so true for me. It's just like, you know, I mean, I like smoothies. I drink smoothies. Like I like eating healthy. I eat healthy. I also eat things that I don't think are, are healthy. Um, you know, my life, I consider my life balanced, right? And I'm working on keep making it more and more balanced as time goes on. Uh, but I already kind of do a lot of the things that this fantasy version of me does. Like I, I already do the podcasts and I already do the TikTok videos. I already have a public presence and all these things. Uh, what I don't have fully is the self-worth and the confidence. Um, and that's really the crux of what I have been working on uh, for years now, but especially in the last year, I've been really, really working on that. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that when I started working on these things, when I started like demanding more for myself and respecting myself enough to kind of like love myself enough to do the hard things that I didn't want to do, um, to tell myself the hard truths that I didn't want to hear about different things, situations, people, whatever it may be. That is when things started to kind of, I started to sort of become that version. I'm still not hundred percent there, but you know what I mean? It's like, I'm like, if you believe in energies and stuff, it's like I'm aligning my vibration to the vibration of that person. So I'm getting closer. 
And the things that she has are getting closer and closer to me because I'm getting closer and closer to actually feeling like her. So it's kind of that whole concept of like, you know, um, like live your life as if you already have the things that you, you want. Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know if I 100% believe in all that stuff, but that's certainly kind of like what I'm, I'm doing. And that's what I see a lot of my clients doing who are successful. They kind of like, it's like, they already feel like they're there. Like they, they already know they're going to get there. You know, it's more just like now they're on the journey and they're kind of excited for the journey because they are excited to see all the changes. They're excited to watch themselves feel better and to get more energy. And they notice and they have gratitude for every step along that process. And they also have a lot of trust. They trust in the situation. They trust in me as their provider. Like they trust that they're on the right path. It feels aligned for them. Um, And at the same time, not one of my clients I really honestly can't think of somebody that I've worked with that hasn't had to address some sort of like deep-seated confidence or self-worth issue while we've been working together. Typically comes up around three months in, I will say. Uh, Some people have a lot more to do in this department and some people have a lot less. So the people who have a lot less, they tend to be more successful with getting to their health goal within the time that I'm working with them. And the people who have a lot more you know, sometimes the only thing that they really get out of working with me is they start having awareness of the ways that they sabotage themselves, which doesn't seem like much if you, you know, from the outside, that doesn't seem like much, but honestly, that's like the biggest gift that you can really get is when you're totally blind to the ways that you're holding yourself back. And then suddenly your eyes are opened and you realize that you're holding yourself back. You have to get there before you can really, truly change. You have to get there before any of these lifestyle changes that you make actually become lifestyle changes. I think that's what we don't talk about enough too, is like when we talk about this term lifestyle changes, right? Because you see all these people who are like, you know, against these rigid diet structures, they're against cutting out food groups, they're against this and that. And long-term I am as well. Like I am not the type of person that thinks that everybody needs to cut every food group out like forever, or they need to be like totally grain-free or totally dairy-free. I think some people do. Um, But I think the majority of people don't need to do that forever. However, I think we we focus so much on creating a diet that seems like easy enough to fit your lifestyle into. And what we really need to be thinking about is how how do we need to realign ourselves to fit the healthy lifestyle that we need? You know, it's like there are no easy ways out. The world that we live in right now is not set up for you to be healthy. Like if you live in the United States, I won't speak for other countries because I don't know. I haven't lived in other countries. However, if you live in the United States, the world you live in is not set up for you to be healthy. The world you live in is set up for you to get some sort of chronic health condition. Almost, it seems like almost everybody has one. Why? Because our food system is outrageously like screwed up. (laughs) 
the foods that we eat on a daily basis as Americans are not good for us. So if we try to create a lifestyle that fits with the standard American lifestyle, that's not too, too different. That's not too, too challenging. Uh, I don't think we're going to get very far. I think instead what we need to do is figure out, you know, what do human beings really need out of their diet? What, what does diet do for them? How does nutrition support them? And then we need to align ourselves to feel worthy of that way of life. And we need to also make it a priority. Um, and I, I, th- I think we can't make things a priority until we've done that inner work, but you are worthy of taking care of yourself. You're worthy of putting priority on yourself. And if you don't believe that, or if you think you believe it, but your actions do not speak to a person who believes that, then it may be buried. It may be hidden down deep down in there. You might have to really dig to find it, but I can almost guarantee that there's something holding you back when it comes to your own self-worth. And if you'll do that work to kind of dig in there and try to find it, I bet you'll find it. And then you'll actually be able to really get to the place where you really do want to go. Um, so I don't know if I have any more to say on this topic. I think I probably do. And I may have forgotten some important points because I kind of went off script here. And if I did, then I'll come back and do another podcast later. But I do hope that sharing some of that was helpful for someone out there who is listening. If it was helpful for you, I would love it if you would use the link in the show notes to go on the Google form called questions for the podcast. And um, you don't actually have to ask a question. You can just like put a comment in there, but just let me know if this resonated for you, if, if you felt like it helped. Um, and any like thing that you all want to hear more about, um, any topics that you would like more depth on, please feel free to like, give me topic suggestions, like ask me questions, all that kind of stuff. I do answer questions on the podcast fairly regularly. Um, and I have some more that I'm going to be answering soon. So I love to get your questions, but I'm going to let y'all go. I hope you have a great couple of weeks and I'll be back soon with another one. Talk to you later. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.